0: He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the lostest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my oh! That's my
1: I get a witness. God. Woo! Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for the victory. Sure, go ahead. Come on, men. Stand up. Yes! had yelled out loud since your team scored a touchdown. All right, women, stand up. One, two, three. It's got this picture that we're like the 12th man. You know what the 12th man is, right? In the football stadium, they call the crowd the 12th man. And when the other team's trying to get their playoff, they yell so loud they can't get their playoff. But right now, they, the enemy can't get his playoff because we're shouting, we're yelling. And, we, you know, it's, it's, it's just powerful. Bob Jones described it as covering the throne of God with our shouts, it's covering the throne of God. It's a powerful thing. So, hey, welcome to our church if you're a guest here with us this morning. We love you. So does God. So we're glad that you're here. Uh, Austin, come on up here. Austin, Holy Spirit's moving on, Austin.
2: Well, I was laying on the chairs and I had my hands up and felt like I would closed my hands and I was holding something and a little while later it was my hands were tingling like they were filled with feathers and and my foot started tapping and I felt like I was on wings of an eagle.
3: I just wanted to share before you let anybody go to Children's Church. If there's any kids that just want to touch from the Holy Spirit, just come over here and I'll pray for you. Awesome. We pray for you. Any of the kids who have been touched want to pray for other kids who haven't been touched? Come over here. So come on out, kids. If you just really want to touch from the Lord, just come on up. (laughs) All right. The adults together. (laughs) Thank (laughs) the Lord.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Mm. Give them your heart, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't pass them by, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Thank you, God. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, as that's going on, Amy, you want to come up and show your testimony real quick? Come on up
4: here.
2: Um, really, my testimony goes along a lot with what Jackie was saying about the blockages. Um, I just wanted to testify that one thing, when I called Matthew earlier this week, I didn't know what I was going to say. I just felt like the Lord told me to testify, and I'm not one that usually does say what the Lord's doing, and so um, I just wanted to be faithful, and so but the lord's done a lot of things um he's been moving a lot in our lives and this week Byron got a word for Micaiah. and um that's awesome in and of itself and so um but the few weeks ago um the lord really touched me on a sunday um, morning when we were up here and then that next monday we had the women's fusion group and um they just they, I felt like there was still more that I needed and um, the Lord just touched me and they prayed for me about an hour and a half or two hours but at one point there was like this yoke I saw this picture of this yoke all over my neck and I couldn't get it off like I felt like I was choking and um, as they prayed for me the Lord just broke it and he released it and um, he's just been really showing me to trust him and he's it's just been great he's been freeing me up so
1: that's awesome praise you Lord Thank you, Lord. So please don't forget to write down your testimonies and email them to me at the church website, com. Email them to me. We want to put them together in a journal, you know, to chronicle what the Lord's doing right now. So, amen. So let's go ahead and, Lord, we just want to take up the offering and bless you, Lord. And uh, just continue to worship you today, God. Thank you, Lord, the, the way you're touching our children today. God, thank You for Amy's testimony, Lord. Thank You for removing that yoke, Lord. And we thank You, God, that You are an awesome God. Give You glory, Lord. Give You glory. So, here you go. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as that's continuing, you know, don't forget tonight at 6.30, our Christmas party here at the church, so bring two finger foods, that's one, two, two finger foods, everybody bring that tonight here at 6.30 and we back. have a great time, right? And uh, on Wednesday, we'll just continue to soak in the presence of God, get in the river, the Holy Spirit, breakthrough, breakthrough meeting here at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, so please, please come be a part of that. It's awesome, awesome time. There's really no agenda there. It's just God's agenda. Yeah, so, and then uh, next Sunday, just want to remind everybody on, for our Christmas Eve service, it's going to be at 1030 in the morning, next Sunday morning. So uh, if you normally come to this service, come a little bit earlier. So at 1030, we'll just have the one that, that week. So that's going on next Sunday. And then also, this isn't up here, but next Sunday evening, if you uh, would like to be a part of a Christmas Eve kind of thing in the evening at David and Paula Stark's house, they're going to have a, kind of an open house from 6 to 9, from 6 to 9 next Sunday evening. So they'll provide all the beverages if you want to bring a little, you know, finger food or something, dessert over there to eat and share. So they're going to be doing that next Sunday evening. <laughs> Praise God. It's good, isn't it? Byron's going over there to get in on it. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's about it, except for the youth group. Right after the service uh, this morning, they're going to uh, that Nativity, the Nativity movie at 1.30. So teenagers, don't forget about us today right after church. Just keep the party going. (laughs) So uh, other than that, I think, well, elders and pastors, you guys know about our meeting tomorrow night, but uh, kids can be blessed to go and just continue to flow back there (laughs) in those rooms. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I'll tell you, man, if Bob Jones is hearing the Lord, and I'm trusting that he is personally, there's a lot more in store for these children. A lot more in store for these children. It's just a <clears throat> powerful season for the kids. Amazing, amazing stories told of a two-year-old that Jesus came to and just said that He loved him. You know, two years old, and uh, it's it's an exciting time to be a parent. Honestly, I believe so. Before Byron comes up, we want to say congratulations to the Magusus. They're expecting. Their second child, so give them a big hand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nobody really knew about it until Bob said he wanted to pray for any pregnant woman in the room, and Mary goes up.
3: Everybody's like,
1: oh, really? <laughs> On Friday night, so the cat's out of the bag. Thank <laughs> God.
4: Yeah. we children. Mm-hmm. all good? I did have one serious prayer request. You know, I got a call from Gail Eckert this morning and her 20-year-old grandson was killed in an automobile accident last night. So um, just be praying for for that family. Um, You know, that would just be the unthinkable as a parent and as a grandparent. So, Lord, we just want to lift up the Eckerts to you and we want to bless them, Lord. We know that they love you, and even in this most darkest moment of their life, that uh, that you're with them. And we ask for the Holy Spirit as a comforter that you are to go and comfort that family and uh, reveal yourself to the whole family, Lord. And all the prayers that Ron and Gail have prayed over their family, Lord, uh, their heart has been their family would just love you and know you. I pray that this would what the enemy has meant for evil, Lord, you would totally turn for good, for your glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, uh, I'm not sure when the funeral and all that's going to be. This this is up in New Hampshire, where they live. So, okay, I'm going to put up Matthew 21, uh, verse 12 uh, and 13 up there on the thing. And this is what I talked about last week. When the Lord moves, uh, when the Lord comes into the temple or comes into the house, things happen. Y'all remember that? And the lots of times it's not it's, it can be difficult when the Lord comes because the Lord doesn't always like what's in our house. And what we've seen is some people actually withdraw themselves when the Lord moves because the Lord can, in here it says, "...He went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple." And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Um, and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So the Lord is confrontive, and I share that with you how the Lord confronts us about things in our heart. And uh, but the wonderful thing about the Lord confronting us, he don't confront us just to confront us. There's more there's good coming. There's one if we so if we could submit when the Lord begins to Walk through our hearts and begins to begins literally to trash our hearts. I mean, just go through, start turning things over, throwing things out, upsetting the apple cart. Let him do that, even though it can be painful and difficult to have that experience. Uh, there is a there is a blessing in it, and it says the Lord began to heal people, and the children began to rejoice uh, in the Lord, in because the Lord had taken his rightful place in the temple of God. So. I want to encourage you, but I really want to talk about that uh, verse uh, you know, my house shall be called a house of prayer, um, about the Lord's house. And really, what I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about is about the church, and uh, particularly the church in America, Um, and what I feel like the Lord wants to say to the church. And so, this is not a a downgrade on the church, because I love the church, and I'm really committed to the church. I mean, 100% in my heart, I'm committed to the church because the Lord's 100% committed. It's the body of Christ. It's the, it's what God has put in the earth to reflect Hisself and reflect His kingdom. So, but I wanted to just share some things the Lord's been showing me, and I want to use Haggai uh, chapter one verse three through eleven. And I know if you've been around the church for very long, this scripture's been used to get people to do more in church, <laughs> you know, give more, do more, and all that. But I'm really not talking about that this morning, because I want you to see that there's a bigger picture that God has in mind. That God has a bigger picture than what we can see, and I want to just sort of use this and talk to you a little bit. It says the word of the Lord uh, came by Haggai the prophet, saying, <clears throat> "It is time. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple, or literally this house, to lie in ruins?" So. What I feel the Lord's been showing me, just I believe the, the church in America is in ruins. Okay, that's, that's my perception. We are, are in ruins in lots of ways. Uh, maybe not totally, and maybe not every local church, but we are, have a sense of, of, of lying in ruins. And this is what the Lord says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. So I'm asking you this morning that we as believers need to consider our ways. Okay, we as believers need to consider our ways. And that's what he's saying, consider your ways. Then he goes on in verse 6, You have so much and, and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a, in a into a bag with holes. So that's really a picture of the church and our... Our lack in the church, our lack of authority, our lack of anointing, our lack of grace, just in the constant need, the church seems to be pretty needy instead of having you know, an abundance. Uh, but then the Lord says in verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. See, he says it again. So, so it's just an appeal from the Lord for us to consider our ways as the body of Christ in America to think about the body of Christ and how the, what the church is like today and what it's become. And the Lord's asking us to consider this this morning. I'm, and so he, then he says, Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I will take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. And that's really the Lord's answer, is to go, you know, is like, you know what, how we've tried to build a church in America is all wrong. And the Lord's saying, here's how you do it. You've got you to gotta go t- into the realm of the Spirit to build the church is what he's saying instead of, go, instead of doing what we've done. But I don't, you know, really... But the Lord wants to take pleasure in a church. The Lord wants to be glorified in the church. That's his heart. That's what he wants to do. Um, he says, "'You look for much, but indeed it came to little, uh, "'and when you brought it home, I blew it away. "'Why,' says the Lord of hosts, "'because my house that is in ruins, "'while every, every one of you runs to his own house. "'Therefore the heavens above you withheld the dew, "'and the earth withholds its fruit.'" For I call for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil. And this, you know, the Word of God is the grain. The new wine is the outpoured spirit, the fresh Holy Spirit being poured out. And the oil, of course, is the anointing. So there's a, not only, there's a spiritual drought in the church. There's a lack of spirituality in the church. There's a lack of these things in the, in the body of Christ in America. You may have all those things on a personal level, but the church as a whole does it. Uh, does not. And and on whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and all the labor of your hands. See we haven't been productive in what God's called us to be uh in the church. And the church has been a place of disappointment. People seem to not really bear to grasp what God does. Uh but what I wanted to say, uh, again, I'm not this is not a downgrade of the church or of anybody is I believe our nation is in ruins. I think we would all say the United States is in ruins right now. It's it's in a it's in a terrible state. And I believe the reason our nation is in ruins is because the church is in ruins. Because it's not the meat's fault that if it's rotten, you know, in the in the old days they used salt to to you know preserve the meat. And we haven't preserved the meat says it. we haven't preserved our nation. We haven't preserved what God has for us. So we can't blame the nation uh, for being rotten as it is and going down as it is. We have to look at ourselves first and begin to see ourselves in light of this, this current state of affairs in our nation. So I believe the Lord really is asking us about, uh, to consider our ways. And so what we have is, is, I believe this, is we as a nation have a spiritual heritage that has been robbed from us. In fact, I believe uh, it's been aborted as, is, is a pretty much stronger word. That there's been like an abortion that happened in our nation that uh, has caused us to lose the very thing that God wanted us to have. And So I wanted to read a couple of things to you from American history. And one of them is Patrick Henry, something Patrick Henry said about our nation. This is political uh, people, but they were very uh, obviously sincere people. This is what he said. America was not founded by religionists, religionist, nor on any religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. America was founded on, not on any religion or any particular version of religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we were founded on, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, John Quincy Adams, which I understand was the sixth president of the United States, not the second, his daddy was the second, but John Quincy was the sixth, and obviously, a very godly man because John Quincy, uh, I just found out this morning, said that the two most important holidays in America was number one, the Fourth of July, or not, not actually number two, the Fourth of July, because that was the birth of this nation, the Independence, and number one was Christmas, because it was the birth of Christ, and without Christ, there would be no Fourth of July. So this is a very godly man, but this is what he said. By the way, Dean Stein gave me that little bit of information. <laughs> He said, Our Constitution is designed only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. In other words, if people are not moral and they are not spiritually minded, our government will not work. Our Constitution is not made for people like that. Um, He went on to say, The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond, indissoluble means it can't be separated. The principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. In other words, the American Revolution put those things together and they can never be separated. The principles of government and the principles of Christianity have been bonded together in this nation. It's pretty powerful. Of the Declaration of Independence, he declared, it laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. In other words, the Declaration of Independence that was setting on biblical principles, Christianity. So you see, our nation is not designed to be run and governed the way it is. It's, it, the reason it's falling apart, it was designed to work a certain way. It was designed to be a Christian nation. And because it's no longer a Christian nation, our nation cannot be governed the way it is. It won't work. Our government will not work. And our government is failing us. And I think one of the, the recent elections is a very prophetic picture of this. When we had so, you know, the, the, the Christian community, the church community had such a, a high regard for the Republican Party, and we found out something about the Republican Party, just like the Democrats. They're a bunch of sinners. They're a bunch of sinners. And they're, they're, they're rotten to the core. They're, they're perverse. They're greedy. They're liars. And we put our stock in them, and they couldn't, they couldn't do what they needed to do. They couldn't stop abortion. So we've put our stock in this, and the Lord is saying that this is not going to work like this. Now, let me read you something from the U.S. church history, Okay, from the history of the, of the church in America. Uh, it says, During colonial America's Great Awakening, which was in the late 1730s into the 1740s, Jonathan's, Jonathan Edwards' ministry was opposed by Charles Chauncey, a prominent Boston pastor who encouraged congregations to resist Edwards and the revival sweeping the nation. Even though tens of thousands of people were converted and brought into deep relationship with Jesus Christ, Chauncey insisted the unusual manifestations accompanying the ministry of Edwards, George Whitfield, and others were not the work of the Holy Spirit. To him, it was meaningless emotions." And, uh, you know, Charles stopped there. We have people today that are saying it's from the devil, uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They're saying it's from the devil, but let me just go on here. As it is true today, the manifestations Chauncey saw were shocking. Now, this is in the 1740s. People fell under the power of God, vibrated for hours, lay seemingly dead for a full day and a night. We haven't really seen that one yet, but we're asking the Lord, put some of us down for a couple of days. We'll just shut the door and lock them in here. Leave the heat on. The sight was alarming, but in denying the work of the Holy Spirit, Chauncey, I want you to get this. This is what I'm trying to get to you today. Chauncey shoved New England into a pit of dark unbelief. Chauncey shoved New England into a pit of dark unbelief. Um, Spiritual lights went out across the land. Ultimately, hundreds of historic churches went into Unitarianism. Y'all know what that is. It's perversion. They went into uh, Unitarianism and denial of all the miraculous manifestations became the public norm. Overnight, congregations were overwhelmed by agnosticism, and ridicule of the miraculous. Without the Holy Spirit's guidance, Christian bodies that had once been fortresses of evangelical truth were swept away by a subtle lie of unbelief. That's what happened to our nation. The Lord started a revival in our nation that Patrick Henry and many of the people who signed the Constitution Many of the people who founded the fire were mightily affected by this revival, and one man aborted the move of God in this nation. And we are experiencing the fruit of what that man did today. There's millions of babies being aborted in this country. There's millions of babies. And see, we are experiencing the darkness in our land. Our, Our country has fallen apart because God had a heritage for our country, and someone... Came and robbed us of our spiritual heritage. And I guarantee if you study every move of God that has happened since then in this country, God would come and move and people would stand up and abort the move of God. And our country is being destroyed because the church cannot seem to embrace a revival. They cannot re- seem to embrace a move of God. They can't seem to allow because we are full of skepticism and unbelief when God moves. And we are destroying our nation. We are destroying our children's future. It's what we're doing. We're destroying our children's future because we have, we have allowed the, 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 the move of the Holy Spirit in the church to be aborted and be stopped. Are you all with me? So, um, if you look in the Bible, this is what God seemed to always be doing. In many, ta- many places, Old and New Testament, God would go to Israel, and God would talk to Israel, and this is what he would say. This is where you came from. This is what I had for you. This is your history. This is your destiny as a nation. In, in an effort to get Israel to turn back to him. Okay? And what the Lord is trying to say to us today, I really believe this. I don't know why. I really don't know why I can't understand this this is not my this is not my uh, uh normal thinking of stuff to be preaching is but somehow the Lord is gripping me and I believe others to look at our heritage as a nation not only as I, as in the natural sense but to look at our spiritual heritage and say this is what God had for us as a nation, and we've aborted it, and because we've done it, our nation is being destroyed. We're the answer for our nation. We are, me and you, in this morning, this church, the other churches in this country that are meeting, the other believers that are meeting this morning, we're the answer. We're the answer. We're the answer for our nation. And when we begin to abort what God's doing, when we begin to resist what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, we are stopping the very thing that we want for all of our children and our grandchildren. We want a future for them. We want them to be saved. We want them to be established. And we are taking that away from them. We really are taking that away from them. We are robbing them of their future. You hear what I'm saying to you? So um, let me read this to you, Matthew 21, verse 14 through 17. It's the rest of that when Jesus visited the temple. It, said, uh, it says, Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, meaning the healings, the miraculous things, And the children crying out, praising the Lord. You see, here's the thing: what we've got to see, it's not about just coming to church and and having a good old hoop and holler and timing. And I want to get in church and yell my ears off. You know, (laughs) that means we should be able to do that in church, and we should be able to get in church and get real still and get quiet. Whatever the Lord's doing, we should be able to do that. But you see, we've got to see it's bigger than that. What God is trying to do with us as a church and with us as individuals is bigger than what we're seeing. God is up to something greater than just, you know, let's have a good time in church. It is much bigger than that. It's much greater than that. And if we don't get a hold of this, we are, we are, we're just going to continue what has gone on and on and on in our nation's history. And God is coming back to the church once again, trying to stir the church, trying to bring the church into revival, trying to encourage us to grab hold of the things that He has destined us for, just like He did over and over with Israel. And that's why this is so important. It's not just about having a wonderful time and yelling and screaming. If, if you like that kind of thing, if you don't like it, you might be offended by it. But it's not just about that, it's something greater. And that's what we've got to see. It, the future of our nation is in the balance, it's in the church's hands, it's in mine and your hands. And when you think about it, like, well, what can I do? <laughs> and that's what I was thinking when the Lord first started really getting a hold of me about it. What can I do, Lord? You know? But this is what went on here. You can do a lot, I think, actually. You know, the kids were crying out, Hosanna. I mean, that means they were yelling. They were going berserk in there. But they, I mean, it was an exciting day in the house of God. And, and you know, it was wonderful things. And so the, it says the Pharisees or the people in charge, um, the chief priests and the scribes, that's what it says in verse 15, they were offended. They were offended They were offended at what God was doing. And you see, that's our problem. Whenever the Lord does something, our natural mind will be offended by it. Our natural mind will be opposed it. We are full of the unbelief and skepticism that was released by this guy, Charles Chauncey. When he began to do that, he opened a door to come in on us, a spiritual door that has not been closed yet. And that door, that spiritual door, it it brought abortion into the church. It aborted the move of God and it brought abortion into our land. I'm convinced of it. I mean, the reason I'm convinced of it, I felt like the Lord was telling me that. You know, that's where abortion came from, from that one man in this nation. Because he aborted the move of God. And when the move of God was aborted, it ain't long before children are going to be aborted. You hear what I'm saying to you? This is serious what I'm telling you this morning. This is not just, let's have a good time in church. This is serious. I want to... I keep saying that to you because I really feel gripped by it. And so uh, Jesus said to them, Listen, hadn't you ever read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. But this is the thing in verse 17 it says this Then he left them. Then he left them. Think about it. He left them. Get that in your heart. He left them. Get that in your mind. He left them. He left them. He left the churches in New England. He left them. There was a move of God going. They were so offended about it. They believed this lie. What did the Lord do? He left. You see, when the Lord begins to move, He's looking at us. Are you going to embrace this or not? Are you with me or not? Because He's needing us to be with Him because we're the salt. The Lord can leave us. He can leave us to ourselves. He can leave us to our own emptiness. And that has what has happened in every revival that's ever happened in this nation. There was a revival that happened in this nation in the 1840s and 1850s, okay, before the Civil War. One part of the country refused to accept this revival. Guess what part of the country it was? The good old South. And you know why they wouldn't accept it? Because in that revival, the preachers were saying slavery is a sin. Slavery is a sin. And the good old South refused to get on what God get in on what God was doing. And as a result, six hundred thousand Americans were killed in that war. That means there were more American soldiers killed in the Civil War than they were in World War One, World War Two, and then the Vietnam War combined. And if the South were to embrace the move of the Lord and humble themselves and confess their greed. And the injustice they were doing, the Lord would have moved. He would have moved there and there would probably have never been a civil war. He would have, The Lord would have cleansed this nation without a civil war. But because people were greedy, because they were using other people to bear their burdens for them and not to treat them right, they refused this revival. Thank God, guess what happened to the South after the Civil War? Guess what happened? There was a revival in the South after the Civil War. After they had been smashed to nothing. You see, you see, that's our choices, I feel. God is God is crying out to this nation. He's crying out to the church. He wants to bring a revival in the church to save the nation. But here's what he'll do if we won't respond to him, the, the nation could be brought down and brought down hard and then maybe we'll respond to the Lord. But God forbid that happening. God forbid that we have to do that. Why can't we respond to the Lord today and say, Lord, we're in with you today. We want to, we want to be a part of revival before you had to bring destruction upon us to get our attention. Because he'll leave us. He will leave us, not in the sense that he forsakes us, but in the sense that he pulls back his spirit. And without the Holy Spirit moving in the church, the, the, not only is the church doomed, the nation's doomed. Your children are doomed. Your grandchildren are doomed. That's what we are doing. We are securing their future by allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Are you all with me on that? Yeah. So what's going to happen to this nation if the church continues going down the same road? That's the question. That's what we have to consider. Listen, there was a a very prominent preacher in this nation, written many books, is on television, has got a very, 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 very large church, was point blank asked the question re- very recently, when Muslims die, will they go to hell? That man refused. That man refused. Now, this is the this is church, one of the largest churches in America. Somebody has lots of influence spiritually in America. Refused to say what the Bible said. You know what he said? Only God knows. Instead of saying, "Well, you know, I don't, Everybody, if you don't accept Christ, I don't care who you are. You can be anything. You're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, that's really what the Bible says. So you see, you see what we're facing. Do y'all see what we're facing? Thank God for Franklin Graham when he refused to hedge on the Islamic issue. I mean, he got a lot of heat over it. I'm sure his life was threatened, but he refused to compromise. You see, and that's really where the church is. It's a picture of the church. Actually, I'll tell you the truth. This is the largest church in America. The pastor of the largest church in America said that or refused to stand up for the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that guy was a bad guy or he's back. I'm just saying that's our state. We're in ruins. And we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I had this dream uh, I wanted to tell you about. It, it was pretty profound. Uh, in the dream, uh, Becky and I went to this, were invited to go to this church. It wasn't our church, it was another church. And we were invited to do ministry in this church. And we were doing this ministry, and I'm not sure exactly what we were doing, but obviously people were really being touched by the Lord. And there was this lady who got up to give a testimony in this church. And she test- was testifying how the Lord had touched her. And there was a group of people in this church. When she finished testifying, they stood up and cheered. Okay, now I appreciate what we were doing this morning because that's where we're at, cheering wise. I mean, that was wonderful. I'm not, this is not, but there was something different about these people. Okay, when they stood up and cheered. Okay, there was something way different about them. And the difference between them and me, I'll just put it on me. Is they really did honor the Lord as the King. He really was their King. Those people were devoid of anything. They had nothing. They were the most broken, humble people that I had ever seen in my entire life. They didn't have anything to fall back on. All they had was God. They stood up and cheered, and then they all came out of the seats and walked up to the front, and they stood there, and they were immigrants because they couldn't speak English real well, okay? And they said to me, will you please pray for our children? Because all we want for our children is that they would love God and want to be in a revival. And when they said it, I was absolutely crushed because I was thinking, pray for me, pray for you. I need you to pray for me because I don't have what you have. I have other things in me besides what you have in me. I'm full of other stuff. I've got other stuff to fall back on. That's the way I felt. I felt crushed. I didn't share this at the earlier church, but there was a pastor in this church. This pastor, in the middle of this, gets up and leaves. Not in a, in a bad way. It was just time for him to leave, and he didn't have time. And I was so offended that I was like, "You, this is what every pastor's dream, is to have a church with the people that are broken, that are empty." All they want is God. That's what they want for their children. They really meant they didn't have a nice house to go to. Or maybe they did. I don't know what they had. But it meant nothing to them. It meant zero to them. Nothing of this world meant anything to these people. These people were real Christians. I didn't even feel like a Christian at that moment. And they were asking me to pray for them. I felt like dirt. I felt shame on me. I felt like, Lord, I don't even know you. And And they want me to pray for them? That's what I was going through my mind. And the pastor, I was ready to smack him. I mean, literally, I was in his face like, what is your problem? And he was just sort of looking at it with this smirk on his face. And it's sort of just a picture of the way we've become. And somebody gave me an interpretation of that dream, which is really, if it's true, if this interpretation is true, I thought, when they shared it, I thought, Lord, I am in, I am in more trouble than I could possibly be. They said this, those people were our forefathers in that dream because they were immigrants they were immigrants and the, your, the forefathers were, was asking me to pray for their children which is who? me and you it's that spiritual history that we have of people in our past that were moved on by God that were loved by God and they were totally broken and empty people they had nothing they had nothing and they were praying for us They were praying that we would love God and just want God to move and we would be okay because they saw the future of this nation. And I wonder about that interpretation. So I believe really that's really what our forefathers, if they could come and say anything to us today, they would probably say that to us. They would say, this is not why this country was founded. This is not. This is not what the church should be. This is not what we went for. This is not what we gave our lives for. This is not why we came here. And we're being robbed. We're being robbed. We're being robbed of our spiritual inheritance. Can you imagine if you found out you had ten million dollars that was given to you from your family and somebody diverted it away from you? You'd want to kill the guys. You'd be furious. You would say, "I want my rightful inheritance." We need to say that. We have an inheritance. We're not willing to, say to be satisfied with this because this is not ours. This is not what you meant for this country. Lord, you didn't mean for this country to be destroyed. You didn't mean for it to be. You meant for this place to be a place that would bless the world. And we're going to lose that. We are going to lose that if we don't do something. If we, me and you, if we don't do something, if we don't submit ourselves, if we don't humble ourselves to the Lord, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in the church, we are going to lose our nation. Our grandchildren will grow up in a desolate place. And that is not what God has. That's not His heart. But it's up to us. We're the salt. We're the light. So, y'all with me? Here's uh, Proverbs ten five. So, I don't know. You know, I believe the Lord is really wanting to speak to the church in America. Yeah. I really do. I'm convinced He is. Or at least He wants to speak to me. I'm part of the church. You know, and you're hearing it too, and you have to decide if you believe this is the Lord or not. Or you can get offended and and listen to that door that was opened by Mr. Chauncey, a prominent Boston pastor, who destroyed a move of God because it was just emotionalism to him. And all those great churches became dead churches and actually became places. Think about it. Think about up in New England. It's one of the deadest places in America right now. I mean, it's dead. Grace went up there a few years ago to MIT, you know, one of the great, best engineering schools in America. And there are literally kids in that place who had never heard, fully heard the gospel. In the United States, they had never fully heard the gospel message preached. These are American kids in Massachusetts, MIT, Yale University, all these great places. These, Yale University was, was open to train preachers to preach the gospel. Look at it now. They're training people to hate God. Because you see, where the Lord, what the Lord had, when He was removed, the enemy came in there like a flood and just took over the place. And if you can't do it for yourself, you can do it for your children, can't you? That's the way I feel about it. I'm concerned about my grandchild's future. I'm real concerned. I feel like the only thing I have for her is to make sure she gets in a move of God. And that's really what I want for her. But this is uh, Proverbs ten five. It says, uh, <clears throat> He who gathers in summer is a wise son. Now, you're going to have to determine you're a wise son, a wise daughter this morning. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So you've got to determine, are you asleep or are you awake? Now, that's a good question. Are you asleep or are you awake? Don't be living denial. Now, I had this is really this is the truth that's happened to me. There's a guy I know. Actually, he's a guy in this church. And uh, I was concerned about it, This is a while back and I called him and said, I'm going to have lunch with you because I'm concerned about you. I said, okay. So I have lunch and I say, look, I'm really concerned about you because you, you're lukewarm. I said, you're just lukewarm. And you know, what happened to you? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's just obvious. You know, it's just obvious. And this is what he said to me. Well, my wife thinks there's something wrong with me. And all my friends think there's something wrong with me. But there's nothing wrong with me. I said, now, wait a minute. Think about this for a minute. Your wife is a very godly person. All your friends, I know all your friends, they're real godly people. And I am a pastor. I may not be real godly, but I'm a pastor. So your wife, all your godly friends, and here's your pastor telling you there's something wrong with you, and you're telling me there's not. Something's wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture. Living in denial. And I think that's what's wrong with the church today. We're living in denial if we don't really wake up and see, if we don't wake up, there is something wrong with us. I promise you, in that dream, I realized there is something big wrong with Byron Wicker. He is not completely sold out. He doesn't really honor the Lord as a real king. I mean, these people, aren't, when Jesus came into that, when they felt like he was really the true king, in other words, he got all respect. He got all honor. Anything he did was fine with them. They didn't care. They Somebody could bounce like a rubber ball from here to there. All they knew, if that's the king, it's wonderful for me. But we are offended when God does stuff. We don't like it when he does stuff because we have our opinions and our attitudes. Those people did not have their opinion and attitude. And I realize I have an opinion and I have an Attitude. And I'm asking us, is our opinion, our add to you, getting us anywhere in this nation? Is it getting the church anywhere? I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. And I know this sounds kind of rough. I'm not trying to be rough. Believe me, I'm not a rough guy, really, most of the time. I mean, you know, I like everybody to feel good. I mean, I, but I really feel that God is challenging us. He's asking us to consider our ways. Listen, I told you last week, God will walk through your heart and trample on you when he starts moving he will trample through stuff he will keep stuff over and that's really what he's doing he's doing that in people's heart he's done it in my heart he's trampled on my heart he's trampled on the things that I thought were important he was saying that's not important to me Byron your your nation is going to hell and here you are you want to think about something else so he starts saying this is what's on my heart this is what's gripping Christ is he has a concern for us he has a concern for the body of Christ in America. He has a concern about our attitudes, our wants, our likes, our comforts, all those things.
0: Wake us up, Jesus! Yeah, wake us wake up. up. We don't oh! you know anymore. We've got Christmas trees and credit
4: cards. We've got things that keep us from
0: seeing you. Help us to see our need,
4: Jesus. Yeah. Keep There's a great preacher named Walter Butler. He said this. He said, really? We should not have to ask for revival. It's an indictment for the church to ask for revival because the church should be in revival. That revival, the Great Awakening, should have never stopped. It should be carried on to this day. We should stay in constant revival. But it's been aborted over and over and over whenever God moves. Every revival, every revival that has ever happened in America has been aborted. Every one of them. Every one of them has been stopped. And that's not the Lord's heart. But it, this is what Joel says, Joel 2, 1. This is how big brother Joel said it back in the day. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for, for the day the Lord is coming, for is it at hand? That's how he said it. So, um, you know, the Lord does want to wake us up. And that's what it's going to take. The Lord has to... Open your eyes to this. I never thought about history. You know, I mean, you know, I've studied revivals in the past, just for you know, just so I could understand church history. But it's never grabbed hold of me. I know it's the Lord. You know, I didn't dream about immigrants. Those, these are things that God's doing. God is wanting to reveal Himself to us in a new way, in a fresh way. He wants us to grab a hold of our spiritual heritage, because it's ours. And I you know, I know one of the reasons, Lord, not only does it grip me, ever before I turn somebody's trying to talk to me. You know, you hear some testimony about some spiritual heritage thing, but um let me just say this. Some believe that the church can do nothing to promote or hinder a true revival. Okay? Some believe that. Well that is error. Okay, that's error in thinking. The church can do much to hinder a true revival. The, the Lord has to do it. It is the Lord, but we can hinder the Lord moving. Um, it's, this kind of era has left many believers disqualified and unprepared in a season of revival and harvest. Believing we can't hinder it. Um, many people cannot accept by faith what they have not personally experienced, regardless of how scriptural it may be. And that's the skepticism and unbelief. That's what John said. He couldn't accept it because he wasn't experiencing it. What a... What a slap in the Lord's face. I mean, honestly, what a spit in the Holy Spirit's face when we say, well, I haven't experienced this. It can't be God or I don't want it. I mean, that is, mm mm-mm, that's not right. That's going to destroy our nation, that kind of thinking. Okay? Those, anyways, we must also be aware of trying to create a revival in our own image. Okay? A revival in our own image. We must not refuse to tolerate anything except our own narrow, predetermined interpretation of a revival. See, we have a that go, just narrow view of things. And the Lord's saying, don't do that. Just let it go. Put that down. That's what he's asking us to do, to put it down. Uh, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, you know they were wanting the Lord to come. They were praying for the Messiah to come. So he comes and he starts making a mess. And what do they do? They get offended at him and run him off. And we have repeated that thing over and over and over and over in the church. The Lord visits a church. We get offended and we drive Him away because it doesn't line up with our thinking or whatever. Or He challenges us on a personal level. We don't like the feeling of being uncomfortable. Here's another one. When some speak of seeking revival, what they really mean is they want their existing programs blessed, honored, and multiplied. Their existing programs blessed. uh, Well, we want the Lord to come and move and make our church better and greater. That's what they're really saying. And the Lord has—he has no interest in that. I don't really believe. I mean, He wants to bless churches, but really, it's not working. Look around. Read the paper. What we're doing is not working. It's not salt to the earth. It's not blessing our nation. Why would God bless something that's just leading our our leaders down, our political leaders? They're destroying what they need to do. What needs to happen? There needs to be a move of God in the church. And out of that move, political leaders are touched and birthed out of it. And then they take political office. And then they, you know, do what these guys did. Patrick and Henry and those people, they established just laws. They deal with things. They don't back down, you know, from the critics. Because they were, they were born, they had this fire of God they're carrying in them. And that's what we've lacked. I mean, I think we should be praying for people and asking the Lord to get right people in. But I'll tell you, if we're, all we're trying to do is from a political perspective. See, that's what the church has done. Get people out and vote. that's a great thing. Pray for them, yeah. But where's the revival that's going to touch those people when they get in office and are facing unreal pressure? What are they going to do? Found out recently that President Bush, because of prophetic people that used to speak into his life, you know, fell into sin. He just cut them off and started getting counsel from this other guy who recently was exposed, you know, as a Homosexual. And he was talking to President Bush every week. That's who was giving our president counsel, a reprobate pastor. I'm not saying he's lost and going to hell. I'm just saying he was messed up. And he was counseling our president. Because the people who really should have the fire in them, the president should have come out of that. That's what we need in our nation. We need political leaders that have the fire of God burning in them not just political stuff. That was Patrick Henry. He had this flame of revival in him. And that's why he was able to do what he did. Those people risked their life for this nation. We wouldn't even think about doing such a thing. But really, they weren't doing it for this nation. They were doing it for the Lord. The Lord had put it in their heart. They had the fire in them. They had the fire of the Holy Spirit. They had been touched by the Holy Spirit. The very Holy Spirit that offends many of us. And it's destroying us. The very Holy Spirit that we sit there and refuse to walk into and move into because, well, I don't feel it, and I don't like it, and I don't this, and I don't that. And that ain't the way it works. If the King of glory walks in the room, no matter what he wants, he's the King, right? So when he comes into a church, shouldn't he be able to do what he wants to do? I mean, honestly. Honestly. But he don't find that in America. I don't think he does. I don't think he finds it in this church. I think we still own this church and we still rule this church. Because I saw those people in that dream. Those were people that God owned. Those were the people who didn't depend on anything else except God. And they were willing to lay their lives. They didn't care what he did. We're not like that. I've never met anybody like that, literally. That's the only people I ever met was in a dream. I wish I could be like them, but I believe when the Holy Spirit touches people and and really gets into their life and fills, and, fills and fills them 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 till there's no filth left in them, their minds are just cleared and cleared and cleared. Something changes in people. Something changes in them. It's a process. It's, it happens. It don't happen all at once, but it changes in you. So, y'all good? <laughs> all right. This is the last verse. Matthew 9, 16 through 17. And this is a great Bible verse. Of course, you all know it. It's been preached on 974 times, but no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Uh, For the patch pulls away from the garment, the tear is made worse. So that's why the Lord doesn't want to bring a revival and just bless what we're doing. Okay? He don't want to just bless. He don't want to put a patch on what we're doing. He don't want to patch us up. Because it, it will actually destroy us. That, that's what will happen. If that's what we want, it's going to destroy us. Uh, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine in new wineskins, both are preserved. And that's really what he wants to do is he wants to make us new. He wants to do a new thing. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do a new thing. The Lord's offering us a new thing. But it has to be, and he's saying, but this is the deal on anything. It's on my terms. It's not on your terms. Now, that's the catch in all this. And and God's terms can be a little disturbing at at moments. Um, But I want to tell you about this one thing um, that really really helped me. Um, Cat, y'all know Kitty Cat, right? Ricky's girlfriend right there. A couple weeks ago, she came in here. It was on Wednesday night, and she walks up here. I just got I'm in the classroom mode. I just got out of school, that's what she said. I had a picture. What she had was a vision, but she was describing it. I had this picture and it was of you. Okay, okay, let me tell me what it was. She said, I saw this old trunk. And I saw you with a flat crowbar, you know what carpenters use to pull nails with, trying to open that trunk. And then finally you got frustrated and threw the crowbar down and you grabbed the lock on it and you straight it was a combination lock, like that. So I knew the Lord was speaking to me. I didn't really tell Cat all the details on this because I said, really, Cat, you need to be prayed for because you have a, a seer anointing. God wants to give you the ability to see things. And that was sort of what we was doing that night was praying for prophetic things. Right, Jackie? Because Jackie started all that up. But what Cat didn't know about me is when I was a little boy, my daddy used to take me to um, auctions. Back in those days, there was a lot of old like home places where they would auction everything these people had. I mean, I don't know why they did that. But they'd have all their stuff. I guess they died and they'd have all their stuff out in the yard, all their tools, all their furniture. Everything they owned was being auctioned. They were really fun to go to as a kid because you could just run around, and there was people there. And, but they would have these trunks at these auctions. And these auctioneers, I was convinced as a kid they were lying. I thought, they're crazy if they're telling the truth. They'd say, we don't know what's in this trunk. There could be money in this trunk. That's what they would say. It's locked up. We have no clue what's in these trunks. But we're going to auction them off. Whoever gets them, some, gets some. them. Then you, whatever's inside, you get. And I saw that happen many times, and I had this ongoing fantasy in my life to this day. <laughs> telling you my fantasy life. Some people have a bad fantasy. This is not a bad fantasy. This, is a good this fantasy about trunks. Like, I'm going to find me this old trunk that's been locked up for hundreds of years and I'm going to open it, and there's going to be stuff in there for me. Okay? Yeah, it's going to be a treasure in there, and I'm going to have it. So when she said that to me, I knew the Lord was speaking to me, because nobody, not even my wife, knew I carried that little thought in my mind. See, I'm the kind of person, I get bored real easily, and when I'm doing something that's bored, I've got to have something. So I'll click, I have this other side of my brain I can operate in. So if I'm not really thinking about anything spiritual, I'll think about my fantasies. That's one of them. You know, that's what I'll do to keep from being, doing when I'm doing boring stuff, just just mindless, just clicking the other side of the brain, let it work. <laughs> but that's one of them. And the Lord, I, this is what I believe. I believe the Lord showed me about that trunk. That trunk is an old trunk. It's a revival in that trunk. There's a revival in that trunk. And what the Lord's saying, you can't pry this thing open. you got to learn the combination. And I believe one of the combinations for sure is that, humility thing is being humble I think that's the con- I think this thing I'm being willing to say to the Lord Lord we don't want a patch we don't want just new wine and we don't want you to just bless what we're doing as a church we really don't now that's a pretty serious commitment right there when you say that to the Lord now it may be not a big commitment to you but it's a big commitment to me just for me to say Lord I don't want you to just bless what we're already doing I want you to come here and do what you want to do here which I know what that means. You might be start kicking things around, you know, because have you already kicked me around in my heart, throwing things out? I don't want you to do you some things I like, Lord. That you don't like. I'm sorry. That's a pretty serious statement to say that to the Lord. And I think, but we got to have that heart if we really want God to move. And somebody, you know, I've been getting all these other things. Other these are combinations. This, I don't know how many numbers this sound, but one, some somebody said obedience. Of course, obedience has to be a combination. Somebody said, you know, ministry of the poor. Of course that has to be a count number. Just a lot. I mean, I don't know. But I believe one day the Lord's going to allow us to open that chest. And I do believe, I believe it's a historical revival for this nation. I believe it's what God had right back there at the beginning that he wants to unleash one more time one more time I want to unleash it one more time I did it I did it in 1800s I did it again I did it in eight, you know, early 1900s I did it but every time it's got derailed every time somebody's robbed it from you I'm willing to give it again is what he's saying it's all the same thing I'm willing to do this one more time are you willing to accept it are you willing to get that trunk open don't strive to open it don't fight to open it but if you'll find the combination and open it and I'll show you the combination but you've got to be willing to do it and that's the key Because we can hinder what God's doing. We can stop a revival. It's been stopped over and over in our nation. One man, think about it, one man destroyed many lives. I was thinking about this also recently. This one guy said this. He says, everywhere in the world there's a democracy, it came out of the great awakening. Everywhere in the world there's a democracy, it started because of the independence move in this nation back in the 1700s. Did you know that in communism, it killed 65 million people? They say 65 million people were murdered by communism. Think about a world where there was a move of God in a nation that kept things from com- like communism from happening in other nations. I mean, we're talking 65 million people. That's a lot of people. And I know, you know, we don't know what would have happened. I'm just, that's the way I'm thinking, though we can affect the course of history. God has put it in the church's hand to affect history. And we're missing it. We're missing it. And He's saying, I'm coming one more time. Am I going to find some people who are willing to say, yes, Lord, we're with you, Lord. We're willing to lay down our attitudes, our skepticism, our negative thinking. We're willing to do that. We're not willing to delude ourselves and think we're okay when we're really not. That's really what he's asking us. Or at least he's asking me that. I hope somebody else is getting the same question. I don't like being by myself. But I, I think that's really the, what the word of the Lord is. And um, so, did you want to do that, Marlon? Y'all, you and Andy. I'm letting Marlon and Andy in this service. I don't care. Go ahead. and Andy, and Sarah. You know what? These women preachers, boy. They got some
5: juice on them. Well, I just wanted to share something really fast that this was reminding me of what Bob Jones spoke the other night. And he was speaking, and he had this an- these angels that appeared to him. But real quick, Charlie, this one angel, was saying that he was here to help Jacob and to fulfill Jacob's promises. And he was asking the Lord, well, What were Jacob's promises? And he realized. When they were looking through that, he Jacob didn't necessarily have any promises. He inherited them. He inherited, and he was saying, "We are a Jacob generation. We're not perfect like what Byron's saying. We're not perfect, but it's like, but are we we going to be a generation that goes to any extreme for the anointing, like Jacob, goes to any extreme for the anointing and the Holy Spirit without measure?" and Jacob esteemed the anointing and you know what is really asking us is are we willing to go to any extreme for the lord to move in your life cuz your Jacob generation is as Byron was up here speaking i could just see Jacob you know it was like i don't i want to put off whatever whatever to to really to be able to grab hold of that inheritance that the Lord wants to release. You know, and I believe the Lord's asking us, are you willing to go to any extreme for the Lord to move in your life? Are you willing to put away all those weaknesses, all that junk, you know, and say, Lord, I know I'm not perfect. But Lord, I desire for you to move in my life. And I felt like the Lord really was even speaking, there's a scripture in Acts, that one thing he's wanting to do, when I was reading the scripture, it was a huge thing, Acts 16:5. it says, So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. And Becky, the first service when she was worshiping, she was sharing this stuff and she was saying, daily you strengthen us. Daily you pour out. Daily you do these things. That's what the Lord's wanting to do. is He's wanting to daily, 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 not just every once in a while, but daily come to us. Daily strengthen us in this faith. Daily strengthen and increase in numbers and bring people into His kingdom. Daily this is daily. This is part of our inheritance the Lord's wanting to do. And He's saying, Are you willing at any cost to press in? To press in at any cost for the Lord to move in your
3: life. Amen. Um, I had another word in the first service someone give both. And this is new what the Lord gave me. Um, And it's from Hebrews um, chapter 12 It starts from verse 25 And uh, everybody's familiar with the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit And the Lord is telling me, you know The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is And in Hebrews chapter 12 um, This verse 25, it gives a warning against refusing God So when you reject the Holy Spirit, you are rejecting God I mean, on okay, here on the earth, which is the Holy Spirit, and He says, "You know, see, um, <coughs> excuse me, see to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks." Okay, if they did not escape when they refused, who warned them? Um, who warned them on earth? How much less will we if we turn away from Him who warns us from heaven? At that time, His voice shook the earth, but now He has promised once more. I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens Okay, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that is greater things so that, so that what cannot be shaken may remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful um, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire and you know, I felt like Lord was saying that there is a shaking that's gonna come through the body. And what is his will stand, what is not his will be removed. Okay? 'Cause Lord will have his way. He will really have his way. Whether we want to cooperate or not, he will have his way. So and then the other word was uh in the first uh in the first service and uh I had this um, This uh, vision where the Lord, the Lord came and kissed me on the lips, right on my lips, not anywhere else, right on the lips. And it's uh, <coughs> so not figure out, you know, what I mean, it's almost like uh, you know, because lips are intimate, you know, I me. Mean? The only other person you kiss like that is your wife, you got a wife, you know. And uh, <coughs> so I looked through a scripture, and this is from Proverbs 24, verse 26, and it says. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips, which has to do with humility. To give an honest answer before the Lord and say this is where I am, you know I mean? It said you know here in Pro says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And then the Lord took me to uh, Psalms chapter two, starting from verse ten. Um to about 12 and it says therefore you kings be wise be warned you rulers of the earth you know and Jesus I mean he does say that you know Jesus is the king of kings and for me I look at this when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me he says you are king because you have a domain you have a territory that the Lord has given you okay so but he says you know be wise and they says you know serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the son Lest he be angry. And then uh <coughs> and say and and be destroyed in your way. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. So those are the two words that that the Lord gave me. Amen Andy. Can you go
6: can you go stir up that piano for us? <coughs> um, my job here is to appeal to you one more time. I feel like the Lord is increasing our ability to hear more words um, <clears throat> because the Lord wants our time. He does. You know, that's the first thing He wants. He wants our time from us. And, you know, in the past, we, we have grace for one word or two words, but the Lord is speaking so much to so many people individually that He wants to enlarge our hearts and enlarge our, increase our capacity to hear what He's saying. Um, so, we're going to have a time of prayer right now. And I, I really believe this, that every fresh revelation of God deserves a new consecration. Every time the Lord reveals Himself to you, it's just another opportunity for you to humble yourself to Him and receive what He has you know, so I know that the enemy likes to talk us out of getting prayer, coming up and receiving, you know, you might say to yourself, I've done that before. I've already received prayer. I've already received from the Lord. Well, don't believe that lie. God has more for us. And, um, so if prayer people could come up here, Becky and Matthew and Marlon and Sarah and, any, um, I think that's it Don Casperson, Donna Kohler if you could come up here Dean um, and then just invite anybody else As Brian's, Brian's just going to start worshiping and, and uh, the rest of you guys can be dismissed anybody who needs to go again the, the Christmas uh, parties tonight at what time? 6.30 um, but, and, and so you're dismissed but I just encourage anybody who wants to come up and just receive more from the Lord We invite you to come now. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord.